we're making progress. <laughs> we're still in verse 18. <laughs> Best I can tell, we got at least another week or two. I will not have time to deal with the word filled today. So we'll see what happens. Following the reading of the Holy Word of God, Ephesians chapter 5, 18 to 21. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, singing to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. We love you, Father. Gosh, my head is so full, uh, so I'm going to really need your help to help me to, to get through this this morning. Help my brothers and sisters to hear. Father, remove me. May your spirit show my dear friends and brothers and sisters the amazement of this text. Love you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. I moved into this and I explained to you. I showed you what drunk with wine was. That was the form of the religious worship of the time. Uh, I showed you that in Corinth it was there where they had actually perverted the uh, Lord's table with intoxication. If I get intoxicated, then I can commune easier with the gods. In Corinth, what had happened is they were bringing that belief into the Lord's table of the church. And people were getting drunk at the Lord's table, thinking that that would help them commune with the Lord. You still see it in pagan religions, is that uh, an intoxication of some type helps me be more spiritually aware of what God is and is doing and speaking to me and all the rest of it. And so Paul has this in mind when he's writing the letter to the church in Ephesus, because they had a great temple there of Bacchus. Bacchus is the Roman name for the wine god. came from the Greek god Dionysus, who was the son of Zeus, and he was called the god of wine. And um, what they learned they could do is if they took opium or hashish and they would mix it first, that would allow them to drink more. And if they could drink more, then they could commune more. What a plan. Okay? But that's how it was done. So when you see it being confronted in scriptures, always understand there's a false religion that is behind it. There's a, a demonic theology that is pushing it. Okay? And so the Apostle Paul says, don't do that. But I want you to do this. So he gives a command in verse 18. But he does it by way of a contrast. He contrasts drunk on wine, which was the pagan way of doing it, versus filled with the Spirit. All right, and I shared with you that this letter, if you look at the first three chapters, you see this amazing organism and the power source that is given to every child of God. Then you see he concludes it with a prayer at the end of chapter 3, and that prayer it's sort of like turning the ignition on. He's given us the path. This is where you're going to go. This is a high-performance machine. Here's the key to get it going, but you need fuel. 
Okay? Because you don't want to try to push this high-performance machine. That's what we're dealing with now. The fuel is the spirit of the living God. Okay, and I, I want to make some things as adamantly clear as I can. And I've already prayed my brains out that, Lord, your foolish child doesn't do a good job at clear. So I've been praying that I'll be clear. The reason is we're going to deal with something this morning called pneumatology. Pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, the problem is I've taught this in different places on the planet Earth, but it usually took eight hours a day, six days. Got time? Okay. So I will give you the condensed version of pneumatology. First and foremost, okay, every Christian possesses the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's ground floor. I'd have given anything if when I got saved, somebody would have told me that. Because I sure did waste a lot of time. Okay, now the second part of that is you possess the Holy Spirit in His fullness. You don't have a half a tank of Holy Spirit. Or, you know, I got my little gas meters on, I'm running out of Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't get that. There's never partial Holy Spirit. Okay. All right, now listen. There is no such thing as a Christian without the Holy Spirit. I resigned from a school board because a number of the board members told me that they got saved and about five, eight years later, they got filled. When they finally got the Holy Spirit, it really worked. And I said, that's heresy, which means that I don't fit that school board. And, and I said, listen, for peace, I'm out of here. Because that ain't biblical. And I will not jettison even for a quote-unquote Christian school. And if people don't know what saved is, well, never mind. Okay? It is the life of God in us that is redeeming us, and that is a reality if you're saved. If you're not saved, don't worry about it. You don't have to sweat it. Now listen. You guys should write these verses down because this town is full of people who do not believe this. Okay? They believe you get saved and you cruise along, got a big old smile on your face, you're attending church, you help out with VBS, you do this, you do that, and then all of a sudden you get zapped and you get some Holy Spirit. Okay? That's a lie. That's a lie. And I'll prove it to you. My favorite dissertation on the Spirit of the living God is Romans chapter 8. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter, but I do have some parts I want to look at. Verse 7. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Did you get that? 
It is hostile toward God. It cannot subject itself to the law of God. It has no ability to even do so. Verse 8. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen, right? All right, now let's cross it. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, maybe the biggest if that ever existed, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But now read it. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. I do not understand why you got to be a theologian to understand that. If you do not have the spirit of the living God, yeah, it is. And the first word I got, I ran into was, does that mean you're not saved? Oh, yeah. That was a very holy sigh. I'm like, well, if you don't have the spirit, you're in the flesh. How do you please God? You can't. All right. So how do you obey the law? You can't. How are you an enmity to God? You are hostile to God. You ever thought of that? Is that a good plan? I'm going to get him. Okay. (laughs) When we became a child of God, God takes up residence within you. Remember the prayer at the end of chapter 3? Strengthened in the inner man. By who? The Holy Spirit. So that Christ will be at home in you. And you will know the fullness of God in you. And you will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can think or imagine. Okay? When uh, you see the word carnal or fleshly in the Scriptures, it is used to speak of the lost. Okay? Now, everybody, wait, 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 wait. I read 1 Corinthians 3. It says that the Corinthians were fleshly and carnal. That's what it says. You know what he's saying? Yo, Christians, you look lost. You look like the unsaved people. You look like what you used to be. So I'm going to ask you a question. 1 Corinthians 3 or Romans 8. You want to gamble at either one of those? I can go ahead and live like the world. I can act just as lost as I ever was. But, you know, I'm saved. Are you? Are you? I can do just what lost people do because I received Jesus. That's a heck of a gamble, people. When it says they're hostile to God. When it says they can't please God. They can't do his law. That's what lost people are. Is that a gamble that you're willing to throw out there? Well, the Corinthians, you ever gone to the Corinthian church today? It's not there. 
Romans 8.8, 8. if you're in the flesh, what are you not? You're not in the Spirit. If that's the pattern of your life, what are you saying? Listen, I have had more discussions with this. you got to remember, I've taught this to Russians who are very hardcore Armenians. And some uh, in Azerbaijan I've taught it, and in Georgia I taught it. <laughs> and they all want the loophole. Where's the stinking loophole with this? There's got to be a way I can get around this thing. And I just smile at them. Because they know when I show up, I got one thing I'm going to do, and it's the Bible. I'm going to be in context, and it's going to be the Bible. I'm not here to teach you how America does anything. I'm here to say this is what the book says. And if you don't like what the book says, then I remember telling a guy one time, then just mark it out. And he goes, what? And of course, all the other pastors are laughing like, you know what he just said to you, right? <laughs> but, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? That is not, that is not mind-numbing theology. If you do not have the Spirit, you are not His. If you are living in the flesh, do you have the Spirit? My question that I always ask people, does your sin, now make me, I want you to make sure you get this, does your sin, not everybody else's sin, it's amazing how everybody else's sin bothers us. You ever notice that? I just can't believe they're like that. My question is, does your sin bother you? Because if your sin don't, did the spirit go on vacation? I think, maybe, I don't know. Listen, if you're trying to find a loophole, I'll give you a heads up. There ain't one. All right? When you are a Christian, you are in the spirit, period. Because the spirit of God dwells in you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit... It's not that you are carnal or acting fleshly. It's not that you haven't asked the Holy Spirit to come. It's because you're not saved. If anyone does not have the Spirit of God, they don't belong to Christ. Okay? There isn't a second baptism thing out there hanging. Anyone who belongs to Christ has the Spirit. Look at verses 9 and 10. Romans 8. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Hmm. If Christ, verse 10, is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. See, that goes back to what I was just asking a minute ago. Does your sin bother you? Okay, and I don't, you don't have to worry about whether my sin bothers you. Okay, and I'm not really worried about whether your sin bothers you. Okay, but the Holy Spirit is. 
Okay? And you know what? You're not going to believe this. I've wrestled with him a time or two. Damn, gee, many crickets. Talk about getting whooped. I mean, that is about the largest losing proposition I've ever had. And I'm like, oh, for a thousand with him. So I've learned that, you know, if I feel like I have to go wrestle the Holy Spirit, give it up before you start. We need this at the beginning if you're a new Christian. You need to know this. You need to understand you possess in his entirety the spirit of the living God. He is there in fullness, totally. Uh, There are no doses of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I told you that there was a guy here in town, the Holy Spirit bartender, and he said that what he did, he, he wanted to get everybody drunk on the Holy Spirit. And you're sitting there going, and he had a huge crowd, and they were doing the hallelujah and up and weed and everything, and I'm sitting there going, hmm, I forgot my vodka. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. And you just... I didn't stay long. I was like, no, man. <laughs> the last thing I want is drunk on the Holy Spirit. Okay? Okay, you uh, you don't have to ask God for more Holy Spirit. He is there. He is there totally. Okay, a little footnote. I want you to make sure when you speak of the Holy Spirit, You use a male pronoun. He is the Holy Spirit. It, he ain't an it. Okay, an it don't grieve. That light pole out there, you can't make it grieve. You can't quench that light pole. But I can quench the Holy Spirit and I can grieve the Holy Spirit because it is a he. I hear a lot of people, well, I'm looking for it. What are you looking for? The Holy Spirit. The reason you can't find him is because you think he's an it. First Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 13. For by one spirit, you were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, we were all made to drink one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. Okay, now I want you, I, I got to kind of sit on this a minute. All right. When you see the word baptized, to a Jewish mindset, baptismas, uh, and I shared that this morning in Sunday school. It, it's the idea of what you do to a cucumber when you turn it into a pickle. Okay? You immerse it in something that changes its nature. Okay, Romans chapter 6 says, You have been baptized into the death of Christ to be raised to walk in the newness of life. Okay, so I am baptized 
totally immersed with a different nature to walk in the newness of life. Okay? That ain't got nothing to do with water baptism. That is the Holy Spirit's work. Who is the baptizer? Christ. What is the vehicle? The Holy Spirit. Okay? Here he says, you were all baptized into one body. What is the body? The church. Okay, so here's how it works. When you got saved, Christ took you immersed you in the Holy Spirit into His church. That drives me nuts when people don't want to go to church. Wait a minute. Did you do the first step? Listen, I saw... I've, I don't know. I guess I've been spoiled. I've been in some countries that are terrible, terrible, terrible places. And yet, these people's lives were focused on the church. And I mean, I remember one year I was in Orel, Russia, and it was March, and then poor people, gee whiz, they had piles of snow probably six and a half, seven feet tall where they'd been shoveling all winter and piling up. So you had these little path things that you went around. And I'm like, oh, you know, but, and, and I remember... Uh, the first service I was there, I came in late that night. They put me in this little room thing. And they said, oh, by the way, you're preaching in the morning. You're like, oh, great. Hallelujah. So, I, Lord. <laughs> but anyway, so I get up in the morning. The parking lot's got one car in it. That's Valerius. He picked me up at the airport. There's that one car in there. And I'm sitting there going. And, you know, and I said, I don't know what time this thing starts. So, anyway, I get my clothes on, get ready. And I walk through the trenches over to the church. I get into the church, and that thing is packed. There's probably 500 people in that building, and only one of them drove. And I don't know about you, but it was cold. Okay, and I only had to walk a little ways. Now, I don't know where I, there was a bunch of these apartment buildings around us, but I, I don't know where they came from. But that's their life. That's what a Russian pastor told me. He says, we pray for you in America. He says, in America, the church, you guys add Christ to your life. He says, here in Russia, he is life. I said, amen. I remember one morning I looked out, and I could look down into the fellowship hall of the church. The thing was packed full of kids. It was 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. I was like, what in the world? So I threw some clothes on. I go over, and Misha, my interpreter, was there. And I said, Misha. What is going on? I think this was a Wednesday or Thursday, something like that, midweek. He said, uh, well, we have the junior high kids teaching the elementary kids the book of Galatians. And then we have the high school kids teaching the junior high kids the same book. So they're all growing each other. And you're sitting there going, high school? You should bring your youth over. Oh, heaven forbid. And they were doing this before they went to school. Because the church is their life. You know why? Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit baptized them into His body.
How can we be so flippant with the body of Christ if Christ himself has baptized us into it? It says here, Jews, Greeks, slave, free, we are all made to what? Drink. In the book of Hebrews, this is, well, you're going to get a lot today, ain't you? The book of Hebrews, as you look at it up through chapter 6, there's six parenthetical statements that are warnings about falling away. The first one's not so bad. Don't let your little boat float past the harbor. And they gradually get worse. Okay? The last was in chapter 6. And in chapter 6, he says, if you have tasted of the Holy Spirit, didn't say drink. If you have tasted and you turn away, there no longer remains a sacrifice for you. What does that sound like to you? If there's no longer a sacrifice for you, what does that mean? Grace is gone. Grace is gone. And that's what he's warning. He gives six warnings to these Jewish believers. And he says, if you get down here, but you've tasted it, you've seen the things that God does in people. And you reject that? There's no longer a sacrifice for you. Here in Corinthians, he's saying the Holy Spirit was the vehicle by which Christ baptized you into the body that you now drink of the Spirit of God. The Corinthians were living in the flesh. Christians living like they weren't Christians, they had drank of the Spirit. Listen, all believers, again, all believers have taken of the Spirit. All believers have been baptized into the body of Christ. Listen, if you are more comfortable outside of the body of Christ than in the body of Christ, do you have the Spirit? Ask yourself a question. How important is the church to you? How important? The baptism of the Spirit is not an experience. It is not something that makes your liver quiver or the hair stand up on the back of your neck or anything like that. It isn't any of this. It isn't acting foolish. You don't feel it. You don't know it happened. When I asked Jesus Christ to save me, I am a worm. I have made a mess of this. I bring nothing. I am nothing. Please save this wretched soul. I remember it as if I said it today. And I had a peace. Listen, I was in prison. It is hard to have peace in prison. But I had a peace that said, you're good. I didn't make a deal. You know, if you get me out of here, I'll walk on water or something. No, I didn't make a deal. I said, man, I'm a worm. Save me. And I had a peace. Just said, cool. But now I know <laughs> Jesus Christ took this wretched man. Immerse me in the person of the Holy Spirit to place me in his body. When I got out, packed up my bags and headed west, found a church up in Parker and said, Yo, dude, I don't know nothing about this. I asked Jesus to save me and I know I got to be baptized. 
can you baptize me? Well, we did. I'll find somebody else. Okay, because I wasn't going to, I didn't, I didn't know how much room I had. And so I got baptized and I asked him, what do you do? He said, read the Gospel of John. I was like, what do you want me to read in the middle of the book? Anyway, that's a long story. It, there's nothing happens to you physically when it happens. When you have been immersed in the spirit of the living God, it's not like, whoa. That don't happen. We were baptized into the body. The baptism of the Spirit of God is the act by which the Holy Spirit puts you and I into the body of Christ when you believe. This is a, this is a, Graham Scroggy would say, this is a theological reality not an experience. It's an act in which Christ, the baptizer, through the agency of the Spirit, puts you and I into the body. When you were saved, you are put into the body of Christ. When you are saved, you drink of the Spirit. When you are saved, you take in the Spirit. We have all been baptized into the body of Christ. We have all been made to drink of the Spirit, if you're saved. There is no Christian who hasn't taken the Spirit. Every Christian possesses the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Listen, this church, some of you were here when I went through Corinthian letters. This church was a mess. Okay? And they were having immorality, and they were trying to spiritualize it. And I find it fascinating because Paul confronts this immorality and he doesn't say why don't you get a hold of the holy spirit or why don't you get your life right get the holy spirit what you christians need is some holy spirit because if you get a little holy spirit you'll get this squared away nope you know what he tells him do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the holy spirit who is in it For you have been bought and paid for with a price, verse 20. Therefore glorify God in your body. Stop acting like you. That, do you not understand that acting lost is defiling the Holy Spirit who is in you? Now how well do you suppose that would work out? The most miserable creatures that I have ever seen on the planet Earth. And let me tell you, I have seen a bunch. I actually had a heroin addict I was dealing with this week. Mercy. But the most miserable creatures that I've ever seen is a believer 
who is defiling the Holy Spirit because of their lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. And it's hard for me because I, you, part of you just wants to slap them upside the head, and the other part of you just feels so sorry for them, you don't even understand what you're forfeiting. Why? It's. The Holy Spirit is inside of every believer to the point that your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's already there. So, defiling the Spirit of God who is in you, I'll be real blunt. That's not real smart. That's not real smart. Even when a Christian lives in his sin, the Holy Spirit is still there. He's just defiled. You know what that means? If you, you know how Terry translates that? He's going to get you. <laughs> you defile me. Watch this. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Some of you remember that one? Do not what? Grieve the Holy Spirit. Remember? It is a he. He. You can grieve him. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 Do not quench the Spirit of living God. I like what Graham Scroggy said about that one too. Don't pour the water of your sin on the fire of His holiness. <laughs> In English, guys, man. Wow, man. How'd you come up with that? You can grieve Him. And he sorrows. He is in anguish by our sin. He is defiled when the temple of our body is defiled because every believer possesses the Spirit. If you sin and you do it willingly and your conscience does not bother you, then you might want to check and see if you're his. If any man has not the Spirit, it is very plain. It's not his. Every believer is baptized into the body. You, you know, it's like, well, I need to go find a church. You're already in it, dummy. Go find one that exalts the Word of God and plug in, grow up. We all drink of the Spirit. Every believer is the temple of the living God's Spirit. One of my favorite verses, um, probably one of my hardest for me, it's a conviction for me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I know you guys all got that hammered out, but I still struggle with that uh, that thing there. I know Christ lives in me, and sometimes I'm sure He says, "Why?" God of the universe. Let me give you another one. Gospel of John, chapter three, verse thirty-seven. This is an amazing text, and I think it gets overlooked regularly. And the only reason that I have 
hung on to it as I told you I had to, I teach, had to teach on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit a few times. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You've heard that. Many of you have heard that. That's a typical evangelist. Come get yourself saved and get you some water. But they miss verse 39, which says, but he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for the spirit had not yet given given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So who gets the spirits? Those who believe the simple act. Think about this. The simple act of saving faith that gives you the Holy spirit And then you, because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, become the river of living water. You, did you hear what I said? I didn't stutter on that. I wrote it down three times to make sure I didn't miss it. Okay? You become the river of living water because you are the temple of the Spirit of the living God. He takes up permanent residence in our life. And you can never lose that. That's so awesome. Because I lose things. It's not like the Old Covenant. The Old Testament. Remember David kind of got him, got caught with his hand in the cookie jar? Several times. He cried out to God, Take not thy spirit from me. Uh, most people believe that Samson... Got his haircut. See, I keep telling my wife, I don't need a haircut. I think Samson lost his stuff. Anyway, most people think that if you get a haircut, that Samson got a haircut and then he lost his strength. It's not true. Sounds good though, doesn't it? It says the spirit left him. Okay? That's sort of like uh, the emperor's got no clothes. The spirit of God left him. He didn't even know it. The Spirit is a permanent resident in the life of every believer in Jesus Christ. Listen, there are a lot of commands in the New Testament, a bunch of them. And I told you, it's imperative mode. Okay, you're all impressed with that. Imperative mode. Okay, but there is never a command. Please hear me well. There is never a command to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? There are seven references of baptism of the Spirit. Okay? None of them are in the imperative mode. None of them are a command. We are never to be 
We are never commanded to be baptized by the Spirit. Okay? The baptism with the Spirit is when you are placed into the body of Christ by the person of Christ. And it happens at the moment of your salvation. We are, number two, we are never commanded to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That is a promise that is already guaranteed. We are never commanded to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Kept secure. That is also a gift of God. Ephesians chapter 1, we've already looked at it. If you are saved, you have already been sealed, you've already been baptized, and you've already been indwelt if you're saved. None of those were ever given as a command. The only command, imperative mode, is to be filled with the Spirit. That's verse 18. Next week, <laughs> I will look at filled. Boy, he's making progress, ain't he? <laughs> Just flying right along. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have sealed us, that you have indwelt us, you have baptized us, and we have drank of your spirit. Father, thank you for your Blessed promises to your people. Thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your scriptures. I thank you for your precious church. And Lord, I pray that these brothers and sisters will be encouraged, if necessary, be challenged, that they may know emphatically. I was thinking about Ed. How can you know that you are saved? Because the Spirit bears witness with mine that I am a child of God. Wow. Thank you, Father. I love you. In Christ's name. Amen.